When we talk about the things in life that humans fear the most, public speaking often tops the list. In fact, our collective fear of standing up in front of a group and talking is so great that some surveys suggest we actually fear it more than death itself. And on one hand, I totally get it. Having had a complete panic attack myself about needing to speak on stage before a crowd or into this podcast mic even. But on the other hand, doesn't it seem strange that we're so totally afraid of something inherently not life-threatening? Like, What exactly are we afraid of anyway? What do we think will happen to us? We're unlikely to suffer any real physical or lasting harm. And for the most part, good things come from public speaking. I mean, for one thing, it's a great way to build credibility, authority, and grow our businesses. So why are we so afraid? Well, today's guest, Jessica Rasdell, has definitely figured out how to overcome the thing we fear more than death, and she has made her way onto countless stages, telling her incredibly gut-wrenching story to hundreds of thousands of people. She has told her story of turning her mess into a message and has been featured on major international media outlets such as ABC's 2020, Katie Couric, The Guardian, MTV, Netflix, and many, many more. I mean, just Google her. This woman is a big deal and so is her story. And while the fear of public speaking is super real, and the idea of showing up in front of masses can be totally anxiety-inducing, there might be something you're missing that could turn this all around for you. And today, Jessica is letting us in on the secret of how to flip this self-induced anxiety on its head. You're about to learn the one thing that is far more important than a slightly irrational fear of people looking at you while you talk. So get ready, you're going to learn a whole lot today. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Also, I want to add a trigger warning here because this episode discusses a drunk driving incident resulting in the loss of life. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Jessica. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to learn about public speaking with you today. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's completely my pleasure. So first things first, what brought you into the world of public speaking and storytelling for business owners? It is not a normal path at all. I don't have this cool story of dropping out of corporate and going out on my own. I was a freshman in college on a business scholarship with like all the hopes and dreams for my future. And then one Friday night, I made a decision that resulted in a fatal car accident that claimed my best friend's life in my passenger seat and almost took my own. 
And instantly overnight, I went from worrying about midterms and what I was going to major into, how was I going to make it through this without her, knowing that this was blood I could not wash off my hands and that I was now facing 10 and a half to 15 years in prison for her death. I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that I had made it out of this and she didn't. None of it made sense or felt fair. And it was about to be prom time at the high school I had just graduated from. I was only 18 and I knew, I just reached out to the school and I asked, could I come talk to the kids before prom? I know you give them an assembly about what they can wear and how far away they need to dance and all of that, but I feel like they need to hear something else. And I didn't know what I was going to say, but I knew if I could just share the story of Laura and I and the decisions that we had made that night that maybe another kid wouldn't repeat my mistake. And in turn, I could keep her memory alive. So I went and I spoke and nothing happened that year. I saw instantly how much of an impact you could make by getting in front of a group of people and really just sharing something that could change someone's life. And I went on a mission. I started speaking everywhere I could all around the country. And fast forward a few years when I did get sentenced to spent four years in prison and came home to try to rebuild my life. I still had this business itch. And although I didn't want to speak anymore, I had to, like, I just knew there was something about that that gave me purpose and continuing to go forward. But I was no longer the girl waiting to go to prison. I was now the woman who had made it out the other side. And I had to look at this a different way. I had to rewrite this story. And I did. And I continued speaking and sharing from a different perspective. And I started to realize that as business owners, we weren't always the best at sharing those difficult stories. And we were especially not good at sharing them when that story had shifted and telling it from a different place. So I started working with business owners on taking ownership of their own stories and being able to share them with confidence. But I was still just too close to speaking to realize that that was beneficial for others until I went to my first like industry conference for entrepreneurs and I was speaking and I mentored some of the other speakers and I quickly realized, wow, these business owners, they were incredible. They'd built these amazing businesses. They'd been in this forever, but nobody had helped them take that message and translate it to the stage. Nobody had helped them figure out how to package up their genius and share it in a way that made a deep connection, created a transformation for their audience and grew their business. So I shifted gears away from the story a bit and went all in on helping small business owners use speaking to make that deep connection with their audience, but more importantly, be able to use it as a vessel to make a bigger impact with their business. Absolutely. And my goodness, I have to say, like you do have a story. You didn't leave corporate, but you have a far more impactful story. I mean, as you were telling that, every hair on my body stood up because I think we all walk through life and we don't make perfect choices. And sometimes we sit in that knowledge and think, what if? What if something went differently? And you kind of are that what if something went differently and didn't work out in your favor. And I think, first of all, (laughs) I think probably a lot of us don't have such an impactful story like yours. So I guess my first question then is, if we don't have a really impactful story of like transformation and discovery and awareness like you do, where do we start? I wish I didn't have that kind of story. And I remember at the beginning of my business, 
just like, especially stepping onto that first conference stage for business owners. And I'd been speaking for a decade at that point, but I felt like the tiny fish in this pond, right? Because my business was still a little bitty baby and everybody else was more experienced at that. And all I kept thinking was, my story is going to alienate me. Nobody in this room is going to understand. Like this is so foreign to what they're dealing with every day. I wish I had a normal story. And so I know it's easy to compare stories and feel like, well, mine's not enough or it's not funny enough or dramatic enough or sad enough or insert whatever word enough. But really the story that you want to be sharing is the one that supports the message your audience needs to hear. So instead of focusing on the story first, I love to take my clients through a billboard statement exercise. And we first figure out not what story you need to tell, but what's the message you want to leave your audience with. Our goal is to just always leave our audience better than we found them period. Whether you're meeting them on a social platform, you're doing an interview, you're on a main stage, you're working with them one-on-one, but how can we leave them better than we found them? So I'd have you envision, let's say you are in Times Square, New York, (laughs) pre-COVID. It's New Year's Eve. This just makes me uncomfortable even saying that, thinking all these people together. But like (laughs) Times Square is packed body to body, and it's filled with all of your ideal clients. They're all in one spot and they're excited and fired up. And you get one of those giant neon billboards all for you, but you only get to put one thing on it. And you really have to decide if I could only tell my audience one thing, if I knew it would be put right in front of my ideal audience, what would I say to them? What's the one thing I need them to know? How am I going to speak life into them? And once you have that statement, then the question is, okay, I know that's what I'm going to say in my talk or in this interview or that message or the post. What story can I share that is going to back that up, that is going to really validate it, give proof for it, show an example of it playing out? And that allows us to remove some of the emotion from, is it my story good enough? Is it the right story? And instead figuring out what story does my audience need to hear from me? Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So how does a person go about finding out what that key message should be? Because I mean, just as you were saying it, I was like, oh my goodness, I can only pick one. What would it be? be? I need more billboards. (laughs) I know, right? It's so tempting to feel like we have to tell them everything, but we're never going to drive people to take a step or to have any kind of transformation if they're overwhelmed with what they should do next. So the more simple we can make it, the better. And for those of us as business owners, For speaking, we really want to start to think about how will speaking fit into your business because it's not going to be the same for all of us. So for some of us, we are speaking to build brand awareness. We want people to see us as a go-to expert. We know that this will really help us extend our reach. For most of us, though, the main focus is growing our business and it's focused on conversions, getting in front of people who are the right fit for your products and your services. And then that third category is more of the like professional speaking route of just being paid for your time, coming over delivering and giving this incredible message. So for the majority of business owners who fall in that second category, focusing on conversions, when you're thinking about that billboard statement, you want to start to think about what does my audience need to know or do or uncover before they say yes to my offer? Because if I'm going to teach them how to scale their business with speaking, but they don't even believe that speaking is a good fit for them or that it's possible, 
why on earth would they work with me? So I would want to make sure that my message that I'm sharing is getting them over that hurdle. And I'm speaking that life into them and I'm letting them know they can serve from the stage. Absolutely. And really what you're doing in that sense is dismantling their objections because I think we all come to any equation, transactional or not, with our own set of baggage and beliefs. And in most cases, it's that baggage and those beliefs that would prevent us from converting, as you put it, or from buying what you have. So how does a person go about dismantling those beliefs, do you think? Oh, I love this question because that is my favorite part of talks that everybody leaves out. (laughs) (laughs) I do when we write our presentations. So in my students can submit their work to me for review. And that was before we gave them templates and made it all plug and play. That was the biggest piece I found left out of talks. Or when I'm reviewing somebody's talk who I didn't write it with, it's They jump right into like their story and their teaching points, but we never mentioned any objections. And if your teaching points are probably going to ask somebody to do something they've never done before, something that feels uncomfortable, something new and scary, and they're going to have pushback. So if we don't overcome those before we teach them, they're definitely not going to take action. (laughs) There is a delicate balance with speaking when it comes to overcoming objections because every single time you grab a microphone, whether it's virtual or in person, your audience puts you up on this pedestal, right? You're seen as this authority figure. And if you want to make those connections, you need to kick that pedestal over and get on a level playing field with your audience. It's the only way that they're going to feel comfortable approaching you and saying, hey, here's my issue. Can you help me solve that? So you want to be careful to not just say like, these are the things that's holding you back. Here's the objections you have, but to be able to say, I get it. Whether that's an I've been there, I thought the same thing. I used to think this, I was concerned about that. Or maybe if it's not the case for you, but maybe one of your clients has, it's a great opportunity to say, yeah, most of my clients don't think this is even possible until we do X, Y, and Z. And being able to show that social proof, whether it's through your own story or stories of clients, is a great way to be able to show your audience what's possible for themselves. Because a lot of times they're just way too close to see the future. Mm -hmm. I love your answer to that question. (laughs) It's so eloquently and it's such an important topic because I know that as I'm scrolling day to day, I see a lot of things and I'm kind of looking at it from that perspective as well. And I'm like, ooh, like there's some objections that need to be knocked down before a person is going to hear that message. So anyway, before we go too far down that rabbit hole, we'll bring it back to public speaking. So I like that you mentioned that public speaking especially in 2021, it can be on a stage, but it can also very much be on the internet. (laughs) And I mean, that's exclusively where it is nowadays, it seems. And it's equally a scary stage to show up on. I know I'll speak for myself in my own business. I need to be showing up on Facebook Live more often. And I have to say, I don't think that there's many things I fear more than that. And I remember reading once that next to death, the single thing that people fear most is public speaking. In fact, I think some people even fear it more than death. So how do you help people overcome that obstacle or that objection in the work that you do? I love this question. (laughs) First, I want to clear the air and make sure it's known. I am a huge introvert, okay? So I don't want to hear that it won't work for you because you're an introvert because I'm a huge introvert. INFJ all day. There's two huge things when it comes to tackling that speaking fear. One, if it is a crippling fear, I'm going to go ahead and give you the permission slip that 
you don't have to speak if you don't want to, if it's not for you, that's okay. But if you feel that calling and you know this is your next step, but you're just really hesitant to do it, my first thing I'm going to tell you is preparation helps so much. And I know that sounds super boring, but the fear of hitting live or jumping on the interview or recording the video is so scary when you don't know what you're going to say. But if you already have a well-written talk, if you know that it's going to showcase your expertise and overcome those objections and leave your people better than you found them, then you're going to feel better about showing up no matter what the platform is because you know exactly what you're going to say. You know exactly how to answer those questions. You know exactly how to go through the motions. So that hands down is one of the biggest components is taking the time to be prepared. Don't just expect you're going to be comfortable if you hit live and go forward. That's terrifying. (laughs) But making sure you know, like, these are the things I'm going to talk through with my audience. These are my teaching points. These are the things I'm going to hit on. That's going to give you some parameters to play within and you'll feel a lot more confident. But one of the best things you can do is just take that pressure off yourself because we can spend so much time wondering, are they going to like me? Am I going to be well-received? What if I mess up? What if I stumble over my words? All of that. And those aren't actually any of the questions you need to be asking yourself. We really need to be focused on what does my audience need from me right now? And what state are they in when they show up to this presentation? Whether it's live, interview, you know, whatever. What are they struggling with? What are they hoping for? And when I'm done going through these steps that I already know, because I took the time to prepare, what state are they going to be in when I'm done? Like, how will I have left them better? And when you can focus on the transformation for the audience rather than you performing your best, you will in turn perform your best. Hmm. I love that. It's like, don't make it about you, make it about them. And as soon as you make it about them and not you, well, then what is there to be nervous about anymore? (laughs) I do. I spend some time before every anything, any kind of time I'm speaking of really sitting there with who's that one person. And like, you know, you're not going to impact everyone. That's okay. You're not for everybody, but thinking there could be one person listening who this will completely change their life or their business. And if I can focus on that one person and what their pain points are, then showing up and it's less about a performance at that point. For me, it's more of sitting on the couch and having that heart to heart with them in hopes that, again, I've left them better than I found them. Absolutely. So what techniques do you employ in your own business in order to kind of get to the bottom of where they're at and what they need to hear from you? I only speak on one thing all the time. (laughs) I really, really stay in my lane as much as I can. I know that there are so many opportunities out there that might be like a fringe topic that I could speak to and I just don't. I say no to all of that. And I'm so happy to make an introduction to somebody who's a better fit. For one, that is the best tip I can give you if you want to get really good at knowing your audience is only talk to your audience. And then I spend a lot of time communicating with them, whether that's just in like Instagram DMs in our community and email responses. I want to know, I ask them lots of questions. I want to know what they're going through, what they're struggling with. And when they answer those questions, I don't leave it at that because it's usually like a surface question of like, well, why aren't you speaking? Well, I don't really know where I should be speaking. Okay. And then I want to know more. I do. I spend a lot of time just communicating with our audience and learning where they're at so that I can meet them there. I never assume 
because that just leaves me asking a million questions to myself. Yes, and probably like would only just add to that fear that you bring to public school. What if they're dealing with this? Yeah. What if, you know? So you bought a fancy camera or you're thinking about buying one because it's clear to you that there is no shortage of beautiful moments or things in your life that you'd like to capture beautifully. But the record scratches because all the dials and buttons and settings are standing between you and your life in stunning photos. Well, my friend, I have just the fix. The Ultimate Photography Starter Kit. This free resource includes a recommended equipment list, quick start checklist, and a beginner's guide to creating natural poses and candid moments to give you the confidence you need to dust off that fancy camera and start documenting your moments so they can last forever. The Ultimate Photography Starter Kit is completely free and it is everything you need to get started. So grab yours today at kellylawson.ca slash starter kit. That's kellylawson.ca slash starter kit. And I can't wait to see your framers in my scroll. So what can listeners who are thinking like, hey, okay, I get it. I'm going to ask some questions to my audience and I'm going to take a stab at this terrifying public speaking thing. How can they be sure before they get to the point of doing it publicly that it's going to resonate? Oh, that's such a great question. I say really have conversations, the most you can have. So I would say the first step you need to do is figuring out how is speaking going to fit into your business? Again, if it's for visibility, for conversions or a different stream of revenue, and that will help you figure out who it is that you're talking to. It's going to be different for everybody. So if your goal is to be seen as the go-to expert on a topic, your audience doesn't matter as much. At that point, it's just making sure you're only saying yes to opportunities where you speak on that topic. However, if you fall into that second category where you're looking to grow your business with speaking as far as conversions, you have to, have to, have to speak in front of the right audience. Because it doesn't matter how great your offer is, if it's not the right offer for that audience, they're not going to invest in it. So with that case, if I was looking to get started and I did want to make those conversions, I would talk to my existing clients. I want to know exactly where they're at. I go through old coaching calls, recordings, and see what are the trends? What are their, I keep a, like a running list of frequently asked questions people ask me, whether it's in like DMs or in our coaching programs. And those become teaching points and talks of what are the things that everybody is struggling with? And if I need help fleshing it out a little bit more, podcast interviews are such a great place to do this because so, so, so good. Get on a podcast before you get on a stage because like, it's their job to ask you questions and they're going to ask you questions that really like send off the light bulbs in your own mind of, I didn't even think about that angle. Oh, that's a great point. I truly get some of my best content for presentations by being a guest on podcast. <laughs> so thank you for your oh, lovely question. You're so welcome. I'll be interested <laughs> to hear what ideas come from this particular <laughs> podcast. But as I'm watching you talk and listening to you, it's very clear that you've done this a lot. You're very competent and good at it. And you are so relaxed and articulate. And I'm guessing that it probably wasn't like that right from the beginning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so like, how did you make that transformation? Was it just simply from just 
getting out there and doing it, like throwing your hat in the ring and then you just became comfortable or were there things that you needed to do to get yourself to this point? I was not like this. (laughs) It really comes back to, again, staying in your lane, like giving your same presentation as much as you can. I know it's tempting to like, well, I need 10 different talks. No, no, you don't. You need one or three, one to three, that's it. And at first, when I first started speaking, this was right after my accident. It was very fresh in my mind. And I wanted to detach from the words as much as I could, just so that I wouldn't cry through the whole presentation. Because I knew, and it's crazy thinking back, I was only 18, but I knew that if I cried through the whole presentation, they wouldn't get my message. And all I wanted them to do was get my message. So I typed out my talk word for word. I put it in plastic sleeves in a three ring binder. I had it on a podium and I like read it. I read it word for word. And through these presentations, I kept giving the same talk. Maybe I didn't read it, but I would keep it up there with me like a security blanket. And then there was a point where I didn't have it anymore. And I just started where I was, where I was ready, where I was comfortable. And I just kept doing it. It was messy. It was not perfect, but I kept showing up and it was still making a difference for our audience. But every time I did that, I got better. I got more comfortable. I heard new questions in the audience that maybe of things I needed to work into my talk or questions that I got really good at answering during the Q&A time. So 100%, the more time you spend in that content, the more comfortable you are presenting it. And when it comes to business stuff, you just need to be in the trenches. So if you're speaking about something, this should be the same topic that you're having conversations with your clients with, that you're writing content about, that you're showing up in other places with, because the more you talk about it, the more you get tuned into those little sound bites. And you'll hear it. Listen to me on a couple podcasts. You'll catch them. (laughs) Of like, I know the questions that are going to be asked. I can anticipate them and I know the response for that. A great way to practice this is showing up on Instagram stories because you have a limit, right? It's only lets you talk. I don't even know how many seconds it lets you talk for before it cuts you off. And that helps you get really concise instead of talking around and around of, okay, here's the thing I need to say and I'm going to get it out in this sound bite. And another big thing that helped me with that was just I've had a lot of media coverage over the years. And I learned the hard way. <laughs> if you don't talk in clear sound bites, they will edit you to clear sound bites and it might not be what you wanted. So I learned very quickly that I needed to make sure I was answering things in full statements. And if my train of thought was cut into a clip that they would get the full picture. So my favorite way to practice that is over on Instagram stories because you have to be quick. I love it. So really what I got from what you just said is like, you're not going to be perfect at doing this at first. Just like accept that and get in there and start doing it because that's how you'll learn and evolve and grow. And before you know it, you'll be speaking in full sentences and no media will be able to talk <laughs> into pieces. <laughs> it is great. It is. It is. And you can't make your talk better until you do it. I encourage all of my students that after they write their talk, they're able to present it in front of our community for real-time feedback. But I also, I make them record themselves and watch it. And it's so uncomfortable. I know it is so uncomfortable, but 
it's very different watching yourself and listening to yourself versus saying it. Maybe that joke didn't sound as funny, you know, when you heard it back or, oh, that was missing a little bit of context. I need to add some more there. But you can't improve it until you do it. So you have to start somewhere. Right. And I love that you suggest using Instagram stories because that's something that really only lives for 24 hours. So technically, it's kind of like a disposable piece of content that if it didn't land or if people didn't receive it the way you wanted them to, well, it's gone in 24 hours. So it's fine. And if they did, then there's your nugget. Like there's part of your talk that you're going to give because it was well received and just continue to test it like that. I love the message of not showing up perfectly. Like really the learning begins as soon as you show up. So as long as you're waiting to do that, you're just prolonging what it is that you're there for. I don't know if that made sense or not. Absolutely. I have Absolutely. to work on my sentences. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that public speaking in and of itself can be an incredibly lucrative and adventurous way to make a living. You get to travel the world. Is this something that your students are striving for or are they really just wanting to kind of learn the better public speaking skills for within their own businesses? We have a mix of students who fall into those different categories, but the majority of the clients we work with are really focused on that business growth where they want to be speaking at industry events. They want to be the go-to person. They really want to corner their market and scale their offers. And then our clients who are looking at more of that professional side, they're making sure that they have a business on the back end to back that up because from the public speaking community this last year really was a big curveball. And if you didn't have that back end side of your business, as far as coaching, consulting, book sales, if you weren't able to make that online pivot very fast, it was a painful year because that cash flow was instantly cut off. Absolutely. So now for your students who are doing it to grow and scale their businesses because they want to show up and talk at, I'm guessing, virtual summits and things like that. Now here in 2021, I'm sure we're going to get back to doing it in person soon, let's hope. But what steps do they take to get there? So let's say they've crafted a talk that they're feeling really good about. Now, how do they get to a stage with that? I love that you said crafted the talk first because that does come first. <laughs> and I want to make sure we say that because a lot of times we will go and we just like, well, let me just pitch all the places. Just tell me how to write the pitch, Jess. But it's really hard to write that pitch if you haven't written the talk yet because you're just kind of making things up at that point. So we take our students through four phases. Super, super simple. I want it to be as easy as it can. And the first thing we figure out is your message and your mission. So what's that billboard statement for you? Who are the people you need to be talking to? What's the story you're going to tell? We're just going to figure out how speaking is going to fit into your business and what it is that you really want to say. What do you want speaking to do for you? Once you know that, the next thing we do is write your talk. When you sit down and write that piece, it is like the heart of your speaking strategy. Everything we pull from the talk, everything from there. So once you know, like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. This is how I'm going to leave my audience better than I found them. This is who it's perfectly designed for. Now it's very clear to figure out, okay, well, where are the types of places that I want to deliver this talk? If I know this is going to be great for digital entrepreneurs, for example, where are they hanging out? And the next part of that, we really want to position ourselves for profit. So making sure we are 
positioned as a speaker that people actually know they can book us to speak? Is that on our website? Do our social platforms have pictures of us speaking? Are we showcasing the places we're being featured? Letting the outside world know that we are available to speak. And then from there, we actually start doing the pitching. We reach out to places. We let them know how we want to partner with them to pour into their audience. And most importantly, we make the most of every opportunity because firmly believe you don't need to burn yourself out speaking everywhere. Being selective with the stages you do speak on allows you to be more intentional with how you show up and you can give them your all and turn that pace off way more in your business than spreading yourself thin trying to speak on all the platforms with a watered down message. Mm -hmm. So what do you do for your students who are riddled with imposter syndrome. And they're thinking like, okay, I've got my talk crafted. I know how to put myself on these platforms to get seen, but I'm not a big enough deal. How do you help people with their mindset around public speaking? I am a little tough lovish. I will make that very clear. <laughs> it's truly is accountability is the way that we help people take action on that because you can have all the tools and resources. You can have every template. I'll give you every single script you need. But if you don't do anything with it, like you're never going to impact anybody else. And my biggest reminder to you is like when you are scrolling through your phone and you're looking at everybody else doing everything and it feels like you're light years behind, I promise you the people who are speaking on those stages are not more qualified to be there than you are. They were just willing to send the scary email. So that's it. I love that. I love that. And I love flipping it on its head a little bit too and saying something like, well, who actually are you to hold back those people from hearing your message? They need your message and you're depriving them of it. So how do you feel about that? <laughs> the same way. Yeah. And often when you flip it around like that, it changes things a bit, right? Because you're thinking like, oh, actually, it is kind of selfish of me to have this fear of all of the things and therefore deprive people of a really important message that I have to deliver. So I'm sure that you've seen your fair share of public speeches, I mean, be it online or in person on stages. So what mistakes do you see people making when you're in the audience and you're a pro at this? What mistakes do you see? I have a whole note in my phone of these. <laughs> I really do. I believe you. <laughs> I save them. I keep them in a note in my phone and I save them because they're great talking points for our students. My biggest, absolute biggest pet peeve is when a speaker gets up and they start their presentation introducing themselves. It drives me bananas because you likely were just introduced by the host. And if you followed our process, you gave them an amazing introduction. So you already sound like this awesome person people want to listen to. Those first 30 seconds are so important to hook them in and get them to listen to you. And you don't want to waste it saying who you are and what you do and how awesome. Just jump right in. Jump into that connection point that is going to make them scoot up to the edge of their seat and say, where is she going with this? I want to listen more. That's my biggest pet peeve. Another thing that drives me crazy, so please don't do it, <laughs> is spending so much of your presentation telling people where we're going to go instead of just going there. So, okay, but we'll talk about that part a little bit more later or coming up, we're going to, like, they don't need the play-by-play. -play. 
They just need you to guide them on this journey without them really knowing that you're doing it. So just be confident in what you're saying and say it. <laughs> Love it. So simple, but so impactful at the same time. And I'm sure that there's a million stats. There's probably 96%, like thousand stats, like I'm making up stats while I'm making up stats. <laughs> I'm sure that there are stats that would indicate what people's attention spans are nowadays. And I'm guessing that it's a lot shorter than it used to be. So it that is. is so important because I don't know if it's five seconds or 30, like I just know that it's a very small amount of seconds that you have people attention before they're going to look down at their laps at their phone for something more entertaining. So I love that you brought that up. Amazing. So Jessica, I usually like to end these podcasts with sort of like one takeaway, one actionable thing that listeners can do to get one giant step closer to, in this case, public speaking or speaking on behalf of their business and telling a compelling story. So what is that step that listeners should take today? I'm going to challenge you to go write that billboard statement today. Like that is huge. That for you is going to just gain so much clarity on what it is you're speaking about and what message, the difference that you're making for the audience. So I want you to really sit down and think about if I can only tell them one thing, what will I tell them? And that'll help drive the ship for you as far as what podcast do you say yes to? What teaching points are you going to have? What will you say on that live stream when you finally hit go live? All of that stuff needs to come back to what is the message that I am here to give to them? Yes, I love it. So powerful, so simple and so powerful. And one last thing, how can people get in touch with you and find the resources for finding the courage to get on the stage, be it a literal one or a figurative one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So if you do love all the nerdy speaking strategy stuff, come listen to the Speak to Scale podcast. I'm going to just give you everything you didn't know you need to know every week. But more importantly, if you are going to work on that billboard statement, which I hope you are, head on over to Instagram. Come be my friend at Jessica Rasdall. But shoot me a message and let me know you're working on your billboard statement that you listen to this episode. And I will give you my training on billboard statements. I'll just give it to you right in the messages. I'll help you write that because I know it can be a little intimidating sometimes. Or you're like, what did she say I was supposed to put on the billboard? So I've got your back. Just come shoot me a message and I'll give it to you there. I love it. And we'll be sure to include all of the links to all of those good things, including how to find you on Instagram in the show notes so that it's nice and easy to find and people don't have to go scrambling through Google or whatever. So Jessica, thank you so much for so generously giving your time and beautifully telling your story. And I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate that you took the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so great. Wow. Such an amazing conversation with Jessica. There's just so much to stew on. I have a feeling you're going to think about this episode a few more times before the day is out. And here's what stuck with me. While the fear of public speaking is super real and the idea of showing up in front of masses is totally anxiety-inducing, your why should always be paramount. I love how Jessica explains that public speaking isn't actually about you. It's about your message and the people who need to hear it. It's about leaving people who see you and hear you better than you found them. That's what stuck to my ribs, if I can use that 
expression in this context. And when she put this spin on it, it is easy to see that serving your audience should be far more important than a slightly irrational fear of how you will be received. And then I got the chills because I remembered that's exactly the message I needed to hone within myself to bring this podcast to you. And if I didn't think about how much it meant to me to bring this to you, how that was far more important to me than my fear of judgment, well, this podcast wouldn't exist and that makes me sad. Because you and I wouldn't be meeting cool business experts, learning new things about popular business topics, and growing and learning and leveling up our businesses together. And that's a sad thought. So yeah, we grew this great little podcast with a great little following and a super amazing expert guests all because one day I finally faced it that you were more important than my silly fears. The next time you fear something, like something irrational, not hungry bears, you should definitely fear hungry bears, but your fear for being yourself, or your fear for showing up as you are, or your fear for doing a live video or public speaking or any of that stuff, the next time you find yourself sitting in an irrational fear like that, I challenge you to remind yourself that it's only holding you back. And I challenge you to remember Jessica's message and think about the people who are missing out on what special thing you have to give because of your silly fear, okay? Okay. (laughs) Thank you once again for tuning in to yet another episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast. To find more information about Jessica or anything else mentioned in this episode, please visit the show notes at kellylawson.ca. And I gotta say, I really like hanging out with you like this, you know? Till next week, my friend. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.